0: What's up, family, and welcome to Empower to Excel, a podcast where truth and perspective collide. It's your boy, O. I'm the host, and I invite you to join me for an engaging conversation as me and my guests give you tools and insight for you as you live your best life. So today, I have my friend and my sister, Nay. Welcome, Nay.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Awesome! Awesome! Happy New Year is twenty twenty two. Can you believe it?
1: Twenty twenty one. I'm glad it's over. It was a long year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> extremely long. Extremely long. But it is. It's uh this year. It, this year, you know, we have plans. We have visions. We have goals. Um, but before we get into any of, of that, can you tell you know um the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So I'm Day I am a 20-something-year-old <laughs> attorney. Uh, I went to—I'm also a PK, so my father's a pastor. I went to uh, the City College of New York, where I got a bachelor's in, of arts and political science. And then following graduation from there, I went to law school, where I received my juris doctorate. And I'm currently pursuing a master's in public administration specializing in nonprofit management.
0: Phenomenal. That's- Phenomenal. Um, listen, she, she I, I've known neck for years, y'all. And she may be quiet, you know, but <laughs> she, she's full of wisdom. I think this is this, is, this is like her her breakout year of coming with like the, the, having you know the engagements and what have you. But I am glad to have her here today. So, at the top of every year, you know, everyone wants to make a new year res- resolution and a new year plan. And you know, we we don't really have an idea. You know, one you know one thing that twenty twenty and twenty and twenty twenty one has taught us was that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, it,
1: it
0: is. It is. It is not for being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. Let me say that. As one well, myself, I, I've been doing graphics for over 10 years and your clients will change you. <laughs> the work will challenge you, but it definitely isn't for the faint of heart because you have to be consistent. And there are certain tools and strategies that you know that, that you, you, you must know going into it because it's, it, it's very easy to say that, hey, I want to make money but if you don't go about it the right way, you you actually end up finding yourself spending and losing more money than actually gaining money and gaining profit. So today we're going to talk about, you know, so you want to be an entrepreneur. And Dejane has experience, well, has legal experience uh, with, with, with certain aspects of this that I really do believe that will help, um, help you all. So I'm just going to give it over to her and... Let her just take the reins from, from here. Dejanae?
1: Uh Absolutely. So, again, I'm glad to be here. And so you want to be an entrepreneur. So entrepreneurship is great when you think about the freedom that it comes with, the money, the independence. But there is a major legal side to being an entrepreneur that everyone should know about. Um, right now, I'm really just specializing in uh, the religious organization um, side of entrepreneurship because whether you know they're not pastors and leaders of ministries are entrepreneurs like they are the CEOs of their business which is the church but um, to become an entrepreneur you can't just get up one day and just start it and because you can get in trouble with the law so
0: uh, <laughs> right, right.
1: you can really get in trouble. once the once the government finds out you've been making money that they don't know about, there's an issue. So you have to know how to form your business. And most of the time, most entrepreneurs, um, they either either start a for-profit business or a non-profit. Now, for-profit businesses is just what it says. You are in this business to make money. But non-profits, according to the government, is you are in this business to either help the community or help someone or give back. You're not in it to make money, even though you may make money in the process. So if you want to um, have a nonprofit organization. You have to figure out what type of organization. Now, there's a difference between nonprofit orgs and religious organizations that are incorporated. If you want to be incorporated as a religious organization, um, you will be governed by whatever state you are in their religious corporation law, which means. You have to file articles of incorporation with the county that your business will be in. So if you're from New York and your business is going to be held in Brooklyn, you have to file articles of incorporation with Kings County. So that's just it's it sounds like legalese, but it's just like a bunch of papers that you fill out, or you have an attorney help you fill out, you go to the IRS's website and you send that into the county. But If you have another type of nonprofit organization that's not like a charitable organization, it's not a charity, then you file those Articles of Incorporation with the state. So again, if you're from New York and your business will be uh, in Brooklyn, you don't send it to the Kings County uh, place where you send Articles of Incorporation. You send it upstate. So the state has to look at it. Now, um, you also need to remember there are certain things you do when you start your organization. One, the best part and the free part is you create a name. Um, Because uh, nonprofits are just, they're everywhere. Uh, When you sign up to become a nonprofit on the IRS's website, they'll check to see if the name is anywhere else. Uh, But you come up with your legal name that you want for your business then you choose a board of directors. So um, depending on the state, it's normally three people, and they must be over the age of 18. And you should remember that if you have a board of directors, you can have family members. But if all of your board of directors have the same last name, the IRS is going to flag that. One, because if it's a nonprofit organization, they want to make sure that there's no bias going on. They want to make sure that There's no money that's like being swept under the rug. Um, In addition, your board of directors need bylaws. So this is just the rules and procedures of how your business will be run. And then you file your certificates of incorporation. But the IRS website guides you with this, or you can just have an attorney or someone who's well-versed in this help you. And then the best part of having a nonprofit organization is when you file your tax exempt forms. So, this means you will not be taxed. That's the best part about having a nonprofit. But with having a nonprofit and not being taxed um, comes. So, because the government is giving you. Uh, you are tax exempt compared to other organizations, for-profit organizations. The government does want something back from you. You do have to do extra things. For example, religious organizations. If you buy property, you will need permission to dissolve your organization, so to end it. And if you sell that property, the government is assuming that you are ending your business. So you do have to get permission. So this, I'll talk about that a little uh little bit later about property but there's different things you need permission to do either from a judge from the attorney general of your state um, just different type of court approval you'll need for that and because your organization is not just in your state but in the country there are federal regulations that you must keep in mind as well Uh, so If you are a religious organization, which is um, also called a 501c3, so you're a charitable organization, if you have a gross revenue of $50,000 or more, you're required to file a 990, what's called a 990 each year. But religious organizations, uh, unlike other charitable organizations, do not file a 990 each year. Uh, You will just... You fill out a form that exempts you from filing that. So that's the best part about that. Um, And you don't have to, technically, you don't have to apply for charitable status under the 501c3 of the tax code because religious organizations, uh, by definition, are charities. So again, the best part of being a charity or having a charitable purpose um, is having tax deductible contributions uh, which is why members of churches and members of other organizations and people who give money to charities, you can put that down when you file your taxes each year. So this may sound like a lot to start an organization a nonprofit (laughs) organization but it is important. These are the things that someone usually just handles for you but it is something that you should know. You can't just start a business like you have to do things by your state's law. So it's really just filling out some documents, but you should try to make yourself well-versed in the general matter. So I don't expect anyone um, to know about like everything in the tax code, everything about the IRS, but you should know the type of organization forming and you should know what you are tax exempt from and you should know what the government expects from you it's not a lot it sounds like a lot right now but i promise it's not a lot you just form your organization fill out some documents and you just keep in contact with the government as they please
0: definitely um so let's let's dive more deep into like let's say like um contracts
1: okay Okay, so contracts. So I'll do a little, I will become a contract professor real quick for everyone. So contracts are obviously extremely important for any business. So a for-profit business or a uh, nonprofit. You need three things to make a contract. You need an offer, an acceptance and consideration. So the offer is I am offering you uh $200 to provide me something the acceptance is when that says yes i will do it and the consideration is the actual act of doing it so contracts what's interesting about contracts is you do not need something written down to have a contract it can be verbal so for a business you have to be very careful that you don't make too many verbal contracts with people, with other businesses, uh, with independent contractors. You don't want to make verbal contracts. You try to limit that as much as possible, but the moment, so for example, I'll just use like a church example. If you have a, you can even have nonverbal contracts, to be honest. If you have a musician that comes and plays at your church every Sunday and you pay him $400 every Sunday, and you've been doing this for the past six months, and then you stop. You are in default of a non-verbal agreement between you, your business, the church, and that musician. And the musician has the right to sue you. You can really sue for anything, but the musician now has the right to sue you in court, and that's something you just don't wanna deal with. On the other hand, If you've been paying someone for six months to do something and they've been doing this and you've been paying them every week and then they stop coming to the church to play, now you have the right to sue them. You wouldn't sue them for money, but you would sue them uh, for an injunction. So an injunction meaning the court will make that person come back (laughs) and do what um, they were supposed to do. Now, if it's verbal, same type, same example. If you say I want you to play for my church for the next two years, and they stop playing after six months, you can actually take this person to court. And if you win, um, the most ideal uh, result would be a judge saying, "Okay, now you have to continue to play until your verbal agreement is over." This is why it's difficult to have verbal agreements and non-verbal agreements. It's better to have things in writing because. Um, you can prove it better uh, to a court and say, okay, well, we had this agreement and they're in default, so they need to come back. Um, So yes, offer acceptance consideration. A contract does not have to be written down, but it's best that it is. And the keys to an effective contract um, for anyone. So I'll, uh, excluding independent contractors i'll say like if you have employees the keys to an effective contract is one at will employment you need to put down whether this is at will employment or not so at will meaning i can fire you for any reason um like without cause if you're the best employee in the world we can still get rid of you if we want to um Two, you need to discuss compensation. Is this a volunteer job? Uh, you want to make sure someone, especially with nonprofits, make sure someone is not under the impression that they're getting paid if they are not. Again, you can pay people in a nonprofit. Just the government wants to make sure that that's not the purpose. Um, it's like I work for a nonprofit, but I have a salary. So three. You need to put down your duties and your expectations. So, what you expect from that person, and what they will, what they should expect from you as an employer. Uh, this is more for employees. But is there a vacation policy? Like, can they just not show up in nonprofits? If it's volunteer, you need to make it very clear. Even though it's volunteer, I expect you to come for these days. Um, and if they sign that contract, they must um, adhere to that. Four, uh, well, five, the breach and or termination. So if you or an employee of your organization stops doing what they were supposed to do, they've breached the contract. They're in default. You need to put down what will happen if they're in default. Are they automatically fired? Do they have a certain time period to cure this, um, to get themselves together? Uh, That kind of relates to the at-will employment too. And then confidentiality. So depending on the type of organization you have, you don't want certain things being leaked uh, to the public. Mm. Uh, You don't want certain information going to other people. You don't want your employees or your volunteers leaving work and telling other people what's going on in your organization Um, and some people do that like we have moments we talk about what goes on at our job and sometimes we're not supposed to do that what happens at the job is supposed to stay there unless it's like illegal uh so that is something you should also mention or put in a contract if you plan on having a contract for employees or volunteers that things that are said in the meeting information about finances, information about other employees, um, information that happens. Board meetings should not be spoken about with anyone else who does not work in this organization or anyone that was who works in this organization but was not in this meeting. So those are a few things, a few key things um, to have an effective contract for any organization, for profit or nonprofit.
0: That is phenomenal. Um and really and truly, contrast is covering yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> like, I don't think most people or most entrepreneurs or even most churches fully understand the depth of you know a contract. Like they think that, that it is so simple, but it's like by having a contract, you cover yourself against certain things. Even in doing certain businesses with certain people, yeah. um, you know, sometimes as, sometimes not all the time, but some, sometimes as as a culture, we don't like to read. We 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 just, just want just to make the transaction and yeah. just and, and just go, and then that turns around and it'll pack us in the butt. You know, yeah. you know, because we fail to. Um, we fail to really pay attention to the details, get the contractor to cover ourselves, to cover the other person, you know, because um, there are various, ty- there are various types of contracts, you know, but, I, but as Dejanay said, like, you have to know what is for your business, what was for, for your church, you know, um, being an entrepreneur is, is it's not really hard, it is work, and it's discipline, because most people, <clears throat> excuse me most people most people look at the church as just just an entity but really and truly the church really is a business a, as well it is it really is a business after the after the, the sunday morning preaching and the and, and and the bible study during the week there are things that go on behind the scene that we fail to really acknowledge that that we really should tackle as far as you know, employment, and and also to not be injured because you you as an employee should also know your rights. You as an employee should also know how much how much you're going to get paid because sometimes like they'll tell you, okay, if you start here, we'll pay you, uh, let's say fifteen thousand an hour. But then some somewhere down the road, because you know the tithing may be low or what have you, then they may even drop your pace even lo- lo- lower than that, and. If that's, if, if that's your livelihood, you, you actually have to have to protect that because you have a right, not saying that, that I'm encouraging anyone to, to sue anyone, but what, what, what I'm encouraging you to do is, you know, as Dejan said, you know, get yourself covered with a contract. This is very pivotal in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you know. Um, but while we're on this topic, can you talk about the liability aspect as well?
1: yes so uh there are there are different types of that um in particular churches so any business but i'll just speak to religious organizations um now when i say religious organizations according to the government that could be like a a religious bookstore um a, a store that sells religious garments for clergy So a church is a type of religious organization. So I just want to like make that clear. So um, everyone knows that when I'm saying religious orgs, that could mean any type of business that has a religious intent, but church, a church is a type of religious organization. So I'll just speak to that. There are different types of um, liability that you need. You want to be covered. You, You need liability coverage, especially if you own property. Because anything can happen. Uh, You need general liability. General liability can pretty much cover you um, from, I want to say, like a slip and fall incident. People like to sue. Um, It took me going to law school and um just hearing from people just who have random legal questions to find out that everyone will sue people are not afraid to sue and they are not afraid to sue religious organizations so you need a general liability coverage so that comes into play uh when the church is legally liable for bodily injury or property damage Mm. um so if someone comes in your church so if it if it was a snowstorm or a thunderstorm on a Saturday night and you have church Sunday morning and somebody did not come there to see what that church looked like before the saints just ran up in the church and -hmm. and somebody's child runs in and there's a leak that no one noticed and someone falls and break their leg. This is an extreme example, but like any other business, they, they have an option to sue the church And you need coverage. One, most of the time, you can't even get a building without getting coverage. But you need coverage because there's two options for a person suing a religious organization. They Well, three options. They can either sue the church. They can sue the CEO, so the pastor, the president of the organization. Or they can sue both. And the last thing you want is for you to be sued individually um, because... Things cost money, and if you have insurance, it's it's covered. And it's really recommended that churches carry at least one million dollars in general liability coverage, because anything can happen, um, and you don't want to be sued. People may do it, but it's better. And I'll just say from a lawyer perspective, if someone came to me. And they uh, broke their leg and they're like, I don't have like they don't have their own personal um, medical coverage. And they're like, who should I sue? Any lawyer will say, don't sue the pastor, sue the church. The church is where the money is. So you don't sue the person. You sue the business. You sue who can actually help you um, and who has the money. So general liability. There's other types of liability. If you have employees. Now uh, this is where it gets a little sensitive. You may need sexual misconduct liability. So most nonprofits, uh, all nonprofits, you're required to have, um, depending on the amount of employees you have, you have to have sexual harassment courses every year. Like my job, I feel like this is like the fifth time we did it this year. Um, <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay, it's good, like I I need to Google that because why are we doing it so much? But <laughs> Like that you you need that type of coverage because you just right. like, even if it's a religious organization it's a public place and people from everywhere will come in you want to make sure that again you are covered because people like to go to court um you there are there's so many types of liability coverage that uh you can have um you can have well Of course, workers' comp, workers' compensation is, like, its own arena as far as um, liability coverage if you have employees. So, in general, workers' comp insurance covers 100% of the medical bills for an employee who was injured on the job while doing a job-related activity. So, if someone's not doing something that's job-related, you you are not, like, you don't have to cover that. Um, There's uh excess liability coverage so this is just like an umbrella to help you out if um if there's like extra liability claims um there's business uh automotive liability so this is anytime a church pulls coverage um if it's necessary uh there's other types of liability for There's even professional liability and counseling acts liability. So for churches in particular, sometimes people do accuse pastors or counselors of like emotional harm or like something didn't go right in their life and they took advice. Lawyers have this type of liability as well and therapists do as well. And this is just coverage just in case someone tries to sue you um, personally uh, for any sort of advice you may have given um and if they think that their life just didn't work out the way they wanted it to um but there's literally liability insurance for everything but the biggest one um you should know about of course is general liability um because that covers property insurance because if you own a property happen all the time and uh, when I say things happen you want to make sure this this may seem very like small, but you want to make sure everything in your property is put in its proper place. If you have an AC, an air conditioner that is not properly mounted and that thing falls and hits somebody on the head, you're going to have a huge problem. And um, that's just something small that may happen, but you just want to make sure everything is in proper place and the weather can always affect a prop- the property. So snowstorms, hurricanes, earthquakes, depending on where you live um, in the country. And you just want to make sure you are covered so that you don't have to come out of pocket. Because everyone don't have, <laughs> like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be right. helping with someone's medical bills or to protect the reputation of your business.
0: So let me ask this question. Because I've seen this before, you know, because, um, you know, we both have, have been in the church for practically all of our lives. And mm-hmm. um, just just to be clear, we are not talking about our organization.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, we're not talking. We're speaking
0: in, in general. I'm speaking in general. <laughs> <laughs> in general. um, But I've seen it even in other churches as to where, like, people are on the, I guess, quote-unquote, payroll, but they don't get paid. So oh. is that... So, so I guess would that be considered a liability if, like, they're working and, like, they get injured and they really aren't getting paid? Because sometimes it's, like, I guess the pastor or, wh- or whomever may want to pay them that day or, or may not. Like, oh, so
1: that's, and that seems like a, <laughs> a volunteer position. Now, if they are on payroll, there should be some type of contract, uh, like an employment agreement, but if they are Honestly, if they are working in the ministry, uh, if they're like cleaning up the church, if they're just doing maintenance, anything for the church, secretarial work, and they're just getting paid like haphazardly, but something happens, um, there could so one they can always sue because anybody in in a church can sue. Um, I am not promoting suing churches. Like I'm, prom- <laughs> I'm promoting, I'm promoting protection of the church but anybody can sue for anything like if I if someone stepped on my foot today I can sue them I'm not gonna win but I can sue them and say like I have emotional damage because you stepped on my foot um so you can sue for frivolous stuff but um anybody can sue if something happened to them uh in like a public building like a church but if you are And the example that you just gave, if you are technically a worker, but you're not getting paid on a routine basis, like you don't have a standard salary, um, but something happens while you're doing something that's job related, then I would say the church would need um, liability coverage for that. So there could be an argument uh, in court that that person is an employee, um, so you do want to make sure that you have general liability coverage uh, for the injury, but you also want to have a uh, worker's comp anyway just to cover that because if you, you just need all of that, especially if you have, if this person is like one person and they're the only person who does anything Then have general liability uh, coverage that should cover whatever they whatever happened to them. But if you have other people who are on payroll and they have a standard salary, and then you have this one person who's kind of a volunteer but get paid but gets paid from time to time, I would suggest um, that your workers' compensation will most likely cover that as well if your general liability doesn't.
0: That's phenomenal, and. You know, just like Dejanae said, we aren't promoting suing, but I think what, because everything is about perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, listeners, like, we really have to get it in our head that these are the realities. Like, you know, everyone talks about, like, the good side of having a business, but today we're really tackling, like, listen, this is what happens when you don't have a business. This is the This is the ugly truth. To to having a business because you know when you don't know what you don't know it can hurt you. Yeah, we we want you to really understand that we want in this year for twenty twenty two and beyond we want to equip you with um, the tools to to being successful. You know, you know this has you know the, the last two years has been really rocky, and I think if people ha- had the knowledge and the tools that, that they needed, a lot of them wouldn't have been, like, because when you put yourself in the spotlight, you, you don't really realize that, like, how often you, you're going to reveal the spots in your life if you're not careful. Because you, you open yourself up to criticism,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to people just want to come at you just for no reason. So, regardless, even if you have, like, a bookstore, you know, people can walk inside there and, you know, walk by and, you know, they they would topple have the books to fall on them, to topple over on them. And then they want to sue you, not because, you know, that, not because, like, oh, it's an accident, but mostly because it's you. Some people just just don't like you that that much and they want to take your money because... It sounds crazy, but this is the reality that happens every single day, like literally. And just, just really a sidebar: I was actually in t uh, T-Mobile uh, last month, and I was I was having I was having having my phone um, upgraded, and the guy that was helping me was even sharing a story about how how this lady is suing a restaurant for actually because she actually it's vegan. So th- so they cook her vegan meal on the, same, um, a- a- on the same grill that they do the meats. Wow. So she felt as if like she, 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 she can still taste the meat in the food. You know? And she's actually she taking them to court. Now whether or not you know, she, she wins, we, we, really, we really don't know that yet. But who, who would have thought that someone who is a vegan would, would actually go into a restaurant and do something like that. Now, she, she may not know, you know, the the, um, the owner, but these things happen. Like, when you're ordering food and, and you have a reaction, like, I know when I used to work in, in the restaurant industry, peanut oil was a big thing. People had allergies toward it. And if you weren't careful, those were certain things that either you as the employee can get fired for not asking that question. So... Just because it's a church or 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 they sell clergy, please do not think that you are exempt from certain things that other businesses would have to, you know, um endure. You know, but definitely, you know, just take everything that Dijna is saying because this this is so good. So, so so good. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I, I want us to to discuss before before we even bring this to a close is real estate. Everybody want to be, you know, you know, ha- have, have their own and it, it really is better to own than to rent. Um, so can you just, you know, talk talk, talk a little bit about, you know, real estate and, and property?
1: Yes. Uh, so, um, I actually right now I, um, the work I do is mainly in landlord tenant law. Uh, so I work with tenants and landlords just about every day. And if you one, it's it's I won't say it's easy to buy property. If you have the money, then it's easy to buy property. Um, keep property. That's where things get a little tricky. Um, like I mentioned before, if you are a religious organization, so um you're governed by the religious corporation law you filed your articles of incorporation so the state knows what the purpose of your business is what your mission is your name everything like that uh if you've been in business for a few months a year to maybe 10 years um doesn't matter how long or short uh your business age is, if you want to end your business. So if you already have property, you want to sell it as a religious organization, you have to contact the attorney general's office of your state. Um, and the reason they do this uh, is because if you will, one, if you're so dissolving and selling property is seen as synonymous in New York, Uh, so if you want to sell property you have to contact the AG the reason why you have to contact the AG's office is because they want to make sure that if you are selling property if you're ending your business they there's most likely when you sell the property you are getting money and when you get this money they want to know where's this money going because again nonprofit organization so if you're selling this property the money that you are profiting off of, is it going in your pocket, like the the president of the company, or are you giving it to another organization? The, the attorney general is a part of that process. So um, most likely with churches, for example, or other religious organizations, if you're selling your property because you are buying another one, then you just tell the Attorney General's office that they have a way for you to tell them that you go to their website, you give them a call, it's um, some forms you fill out. But um, you have to let them know. And the attorney signature, it's really a judge's signature, is needed if you're dissolving. Um, So if you're ending your business or you're selling your property, you are mortgaging property. Court approval is needed as well. So that's um, just a few things you need to know if you already own property. If you are intending to buy property, um, it's the same as, like, everything. Uh, other people buying property, you look for You find something you're interested in. You buy it under the organization's name. Uh, and if you buy property as a business... And you begin to, you become a, so you have people who, like you may have parts of the property that um, has like living space and you want uh, people to rent out the property so you can get some extra money. Um, You need to know how to be a landlord (laughs) Uh, because one, according to whatever state you're in, um, you can't just kick people out. So say you have a, like a living area and you rent it out to people, you're a good Samaritan and you want people to live there, but you also want extra money. You can't just kick them out because depending on the state, if someone is living somewhere for in New York, if it's um, at least 30 consecutive days, you can't just kick them out. Now they're legally a tenant and you have to take them to housing court. Keep that in mind. Also, as a landlord or as the owner of property, even if you don't have tenants, it's like a business property. Uh, every every year, every couple of years, the state will come in just to make sure that everything is still in its proper place. So if you have property, you have to make sure um, the state wants to know, do you have enough uh doors that are used as exits this is needed because if there's a fire or something happens they need to make sure that everyone in the building can get out two uh just small things if you have property you have to make sure you have a certain amount of fire extinguishers the state will tell you depending on the size of your building how many you need also if you have property there are rules as far as the amount of restrooms you can have the size if you have property, you also need to make sure that people um, are actually able to walk inside. So everyone is not, um, do not have all the activity of their limbs. So if people, you need wheelchair accessible um, means, especially if you have stairs going up to whatever your business is. Um, in certain areas, they want to make sure that you have uh, like these like a wheelchair accessible it's almost like a roll that they can like roll into the building um so these are certain things that the state is very particular about and you have to stay on top of as far as the law so it may be easy to get property um in new york that's um a lie it's not easy to get property in new york but you are (laughs) It's so but I mean as far as money, if you have the, if you have the means to buy property, it becomes easy. But once you have property, I think people get excited once they like, I, I got a building. That's awesome, but there's a lot of rules you need to follow. Uh, and the state will come and make sure that you are following their rules. Um, and then also keep in mind like we're still in this pandemic for religious organizations for a while, no one could even go into a church. It wasn't because uh, like everybody was respecting like, oh, this is a pandemic and I want everyone to be safe. But the state said you cannot go into a public building and religious buildings were included in that until maybe I think late, sometime late 2020 where the Supreme Court said like churches can do whatever they want because they're separate from us. So you also need to keep, um, tabs on the news. Watch the news. The news tell you about your property. Uh, just keep tabs on what the state, your city, your community, Your if you have boroughs in your city, your borough president, what is my property? How am I supposed to upkeep my property? Because the last thing you want is for the state to shut down, not your business, but the property you're living in. And at the time that the state said you can't go into a building even if you're a church at that time they were fining people. So having a service and the police walked in, they was going to charge you, um, for having that service. So just, it's like you buy your property, but you want to make sure you're following the rules so that you're protected.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, this has been so informative. Um, because, like I said, you know, everything really is in the detail. And that's what I'm going to leave you guys with today um, because it's so much more to being an entrepreneur. Yes, we could have covered, you know, you know just everything else, you know, um, that, that comes along with being an entrepreneur. But this is a start you know of just knowing so Dejane, any final thoughts um where can people go to get this information what would you recommend talk to the people
1: okay so i would recommend definitely if you have not started your business but you are interested in starting um A nonprofit specifically, go to the IRS's website. It has literally everything you need to know about starting a nonprofit. They have all the forms. They tell you what you need to do based on whatever state you're in. Um, You can play around with the website. Um, You can also go, like I mentioned before, to LegalZoom. You want to look at examples of... um, articles of incorporation. You can look at examples of bylaws for the specific, the specific business uh, that you have. Um, And you can also speak to attorneys that specialize in the type of business that you want, the type of nonprofit business that you plan to form. Um, And then I'll just plug myself and say, I'm an attorney, so I'm here as well. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so, like, how can people get in contact with you if they want to know more?
1: Uh, so I do have a website. Um, it's dejanaym.com, uh, D-E-J-A-N-A-I, the letter M.com. And on there, there is a uh, page on my website where you can um, contact me, ask me questions, if you need a legal consultation, if you need... Um, just random legal advice or you need help with your business um that's the best way to reach me
0: awesome 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 well guys you've heard it you've, you've heard it here first in regards to you know being an entrepreneur you know um so take this time and prepare plan this is the beginning of 2022 so you know we want you to be successful we want to hear success stories um, we definitely want to be able to bring Dejanae back with, with some of these questions that you, you guys may have. So don't be afraid to shoot, to shoot her or us, you know, um, inbox or, or find her, her website. But Dejanae, thank you so much for agreeing to do this um, podcast.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I hope that people are empowered. And if you haven't started a business, that you get started for the beginning of this year.
0: Once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empower2Excel. Tell your friends to download this podcast, like, comment, subscribe, and share your thoughts with us. Until next time, let's continue to spread positive vibes.